Welcome back to Telegnosis and Tea. I'm your host, Tess, and this episode I'm going to prove to you I am not an alien. Joining, <laughs> joining me are Matt, who we've already met. Hi, Matt. Hello. And my mama. Hi, mama. Hi, Tess. <laughs> and mom and I are drinking tea, but Matt is not again this time. No. because he doesn't drink tea. It's because he doesn't drink anything hot. Maybe I'm an alien. I, I knew it. it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> okay. So, Mom. Hmm. Oh, first thing, actually, is I have a weird story from this morning because we had a ghost. Oh, yeah. So, I'm going to share that on the podcast. So, I woke up this morning and there was just a ghost in the room and I thought it was Matt for half a minute and then I looked at it. And it was, like, this dude with, like, a fantastic mustache wearing suspenders and he had, like, blonde hair. And um, and then I was like, oh, it's not Matt. And then just disappeared. And then Matt came in. <laughs> and so I was like, Matt, do you know anybody like that? And you were like, no. So I was like, okay. Hmm. Well, that's cool then. Why are all ghosts old-timey people? No, no, no. He wasn't old-timey. He was wearing, like, a nerd shirt underneath, like, suspenders. And he looked like maybe the 80s. He just had a cool mustache. That doesn't mean he's old school. I don't know. You say twirly mustache and suspenders. I mean, what <laughs> am I could, supposed to think? That's like 50% of millennials today. <laughs> well, you have your suspenders on today. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I do. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Matt, I, Matt I literally do. has a mustache that, that and out. suspenders. <laughs> I don't have the wax, though. I need the wax. You need the mustache and wax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the spookiest story I have recently. All right, Mom, because Matt's already had to answer these questions. <sighs> under duress. Under, <laughs> not under duress. Okay, so Mom, do you believe in aliens? Well, Tess, be careful what you ask for. Um, Wait. I don't not believe in aliens. I think it's entirely possible that there are... Other people out there. Okay. Uh, I think it's entirely possible they've been to Earth. If there are other people out there. Have they interbred with us? Who knows? I don't know. You'd think DNA-wise they would show up by now as something a little different. There are some things that are unexplainable. So We're going to try and explain them today, actually. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. You know, I, I don't know that I have to believe one way or the other. Well, you don't have to. It's just, it's possible. It's entirely possible. Do I think that they're running amongst us doing all kinds of things? I don't know, because if I was an alien and had the choice to come to Earth, that also means I have the choice to leave. You would and think I think so. I would have left at least during 2020. <sighs> Good point. <laughs> well, and it's not like... The planet is worth taking over. We've trashed it thoroughly. Yeah. True, but it is quite a reality show. Oh. Yeah, aliens are just watching us like a reality show. Yeah. Well, if if there are aliens, perhaps they're here to prevent us from going to other planets and totally trashing them, too. That oh, that's be. a good thought. Good I thought, like that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. What is a super spooky or weird paranormal or true crime story that you have mom i know that you have a few (laughs) you're my mom (laughs) which ones you'd like to hear i want to hear any well 
I mean, the people listening, and Matt included, probably haven't heard a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Well, do you remember going to Cuba and seeing the owls? Vaguely. I, I do remember seeing owls in Cuba, but I don't remember too much about it. Okay, well, when when my parents, when my mom passed away, and my dad was still alive at that, which, you know, grandma and grandpa for you. Yeah. And then when my dad died out west... And I went out for the funeral. We went out for we the went funeral. We went out. I remember that. There yeah. were two owls. And I had never heard owls in the summertime there. They usually migrated through and were gone. But it was summertime. And there were two owls calling to each other. Aww. And I just, I knew that that was my parents. That they were back together. And oh my gosh. And I then, love that. And then, well, and in a lot of indigenous cultures... Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Owls are very representative of... Of those who have passed away. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to Cuba, we saw, again, a pair of owls at the resort sitting there just... And that's the only time I've ever seen owls in Cuba. Yeah, in the summertime. Yeah. And it was like most people didn't even see them. They were sitting right there. And people weren't even noticing them. It was very bizarre. So I wondered if they were special for us. And it had been a resort that your Grandpa Leo was supposed to meet us at at one time. Oh, really? And mm. didn't because he wasn't well. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. That's such a great story. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure what kind of story I was going to get, but I'm glad I got that one because that's cute. Okay. So our topic for today which I've already told you guys, but I haven't told you anything about it, and I told you not to research it ahead of time. Matt, I'm looking at you. Didn't. Okay, good. We will not have a repeat of Bunyip. That was not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you told me we're going to do Bunyip. You did not say do not look up Bunyip. And guess what I, happened? I did like five minutes later. No, okay, you, no, you let's not. move on. Okay. Anyways. Anyway. Okay, okay so he, have either of you ever heard of the simulation theory? The life is just a simulation or... Okay. Mm, I don't know much about it. Okay, I know nothing about it. Matt, what do you know about it? Basically what she just said. That life is a simulation? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's correct. That's what the simulation theory is. Yeah. But it gets, like, super intense and super into it. And it's really cool. And I'm so excited to tell you guys about it. How intense and into it does it get, Tess? Super! (laughs) just said that. (laughs) Okay, so simulation theory is a theory that all of reality, Earth, and the universe is actually an artificial simulation or a computer simulation like a computer game. So you and I sitting here, we don't exist. Are you allowed to ask Not questions? Really. Or- you can ask as many questions as you want. Is that going to disrupt the flow, though, in case you tell us later? Um. Well, I can give you like just a quick little background to it. Maybe that'll Yeah, why don't it. you do that? Okay. But I mean, like, yeah, feel free to ask any questions. That's totally cool. So there are some theories that rely on the development of a simulated reality technology that's become so advanced. It's it's able to convince the people, the AI simulation inside of the computer, that it's actually real. So it's the theory that technology will sometime sometime get so advanced that we'll be able to simulate reality to the point where what's inside of our simulation believes that it's real. So, huh. <laughs> as a background, 
The theory that the world is an illusion has been around in philosophical and scientific theories basically forever. Yeah. It's for as long as we can trace back philosophy and science. Uh, examples include the butterfly dream of Zhangzi. Zhangzi? Oh. Do you know how to pronounce it? I Zhangzi? would have to see it. Zhuangzi? Zhuangzi? Was he that, Chinese? That's what I would say. Uh, yeah, he was Taoist. Yeah, okay. so Chinese. Yeah, yeah, Chinese. Yeah. So, what the butterfly dream is, though, is basically um, he fell asleep and dreamed he was a butterfly, but the dream was so intense when he woke up, he wasn't sure if he was a man who dreamed that he was a butterfly or if he was a butterfly who was now dreaming that he was a man. Hmm? Gotta ask, what kind of... Um... Herbal supplements were they taking? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. A lot. Okay. I'm guessing. From that perspective, though, you'd have to say, does the butterfly really have cognition to I mean... realize that it's a butterfly? <laughs> How do we know it doesn't? You're just assuming that butterflies don't. Butterflies be dumb. <laughs> That's, that is. I like that you looked into the microphone, so you, you're like super... Yeah. Butterflies like, are this, dumb. Right. They are dumb. They're special. Butterflies are amazing and special. They and... are wonderful creatures. Not known for their mental capacity. <laughs> and that's that's our clock in the background, by the way. Because that will definitely pick up on the recording. Oh yeah, and it's definitely going to happen again. Absolutely. It's only a half hour. <laughs> no, 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 it's three. It, it was oh, three was times. It three? Oh, yes. I don't even hear it anymore. So we got an hour. We're good. Okay. There's also uh, the Indian philosophy of Maya, which is basically Maya is a magical power that gods have in which they can make humans believe that something is real that's an illusion or is an illusion that's real. There's also um, ancient Greek philosophy, Anaxarchus. Anaxarchus, yeah. Okay, and Monomus. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking at you who has a Greek, t- Greek mythology degree. <laughs> <laughs> who likened existence to bas- being a scene in a painting. A version of the simulation theory was also a part of René Descartes' philosophical argument. Did I get it right? Descartes. It's Descartes? Yes. Okay. Oh, well, he was the person who said cogito ergo sum, which means I think, therefore I am. But simulation theory has currently been popularized by Nick Bostrom, who is a philosopher. With a far less interesting name. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So he said, uh, or he wrote basically um, this book called Are You Living in a Computer Simulation in 2003? And it laid out the whole foundation for what's taken off as why we might be living in a computer simulation. Why do we think it's a computer simulation? Oh, we'll get into that. Are you thinking, like, are we actually a hallucination in somebody else's mind? Because people have theorized that as well. Uh, No, actually, I was thinking... (laughs) (laughs) I threw you for a loop, sorry. No, 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 I was just comparing. Mm. I was thinking back to when I was really little... Yeah, yeah. And used to put, had this idea that the world was like a little diorama, you know, and the stars were just like little holes and poked into it. Mm-hmm. And we were in this little diorama. And outside that was a bigger diorama of the same thing. And outside that was a bigger diorama. Kind of like being an ant on the planet here, right? Mm-hmm. You think your world is it's yeah. big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is your world. Because that is your world for sure. Whereas... To us, the world is 
the entire Earth. I mean, there are theories that um, Earth is basically just like a very, very tiny, like an atom to something bigger. Sure, yeah. So we're just this tiny thing floating around in a world that's actually really so much bigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how come I knew that as a child? Uh, Maybe you're a great philosophical thinker, Mom. Well, we come into the world, I believe, knowing things. We forget them as we grow. Oh, so maybe things we talk about will spark something. It's true. Yeah. It's true. When I was a child, I don't think I had any thoughts like that. I can't imagine that. Given your head injuries, I think you've just forgotten them all. (laughs) I don't know, because most of the thoughts I remember having when I was a kid is like, Oh, kitty! I like cows! (laughs) I remember trying to get Buttercup the cow to talk, but I couldn't. Oh. After watching that one movie, Anastasia. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I think. Was that the name? Annabelle. Annabelle's Wish. Where the cow talks. <laughs> That's completely That different. was Christmas. Had to be Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know it had to be Christmas, but I tried outside of Christmas. Okay, so we went really off topic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me get back to Nick Bostrom. <laughs> so, I didn't know how to summarize this. So I decided to just take these excerpts right from his book because I don't think I could really like summarize without losing something. Without losing something. So this is a good book, and you should probably promote it then. Well, I did. It's from. It's Are You Living in a Computer Simulation, two thousand three. Oh, okay, Dick Bostrom. All right. Okay, because <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who popularized the theory. Okay, so here's here's the excerpt from it. Many works of science fiction, as well as some forecasts by serious technologists and futurologists, predict that enormous amounts of computing power will be available in the future. Let us suppose for a moment that these predictions are real, are correct. One thing that later generations might do with their super powerful computers is run a detailed simulation of their forebearers or of people like their forebearers. Because their computers would be so powerful, they could run a great many simulations. Suppose that these simulated people are conscious, as they would be if the philosophy of mind is correct. Then it could be the case that the vast majority of minds, like ours, do not belong to the original race, but rather to people simulated by the advanced descendants of an original race. It is then possible to argue that, if this were the case, We would be rational to think that we are likely among the simulated minds rather than among the original biological ones. Right. Therefore, if we don't think that we are currently living in a computer simulation, we are not entitled to believe that we will have descendants who will run lots of simulations of their forebearers. So what he's essentially saying is, if we believe that technology will keep advancing the way that it is advancing now, that it's going to keep getting better... That we're going to have better and better, you know, virtual reality, simulation, like, video games. Eventually we'll get to the place where it's so advanced, we can run simulations with actual conscious mm-hmm. or beings in a simulation that believe they're conscious. And if we think that we can get to that kind of level of technology, then we also might be in that level of technology. Right. I don't understand that part, that we might actually be there. So, I I don't know why, this is like a conspiracy theory. Who would have done this? Who would have created this that we're living in now that we don't know when computers haven't been around that long? Oh, so we will kind of like cover that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it it's, a, it's explaining that 
if we believe that it will get that powerful in the future, that um, then they would have come up with a simulation about figuring out what people were like in this time period. Oh, and, so this could actually be the future, but we just think it's the present. Correct. Like, yeah. we oh, are the simulation, okay. and we, like, we're simulating the past of a distant future right now. Okay. So what he also is saying in there is if we have the technology to run a simulation, we're going to run a bunch. Right. So basically it could be people seeing, you know, running a bunch of simulations, a greater society running a bunch of simulations to see if one simulation comes up with a solution for for greenhouse gases. If one comes up with a solution for cancer, like it could be running all these different simulations for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Sort of fits with the idea that there's no time that, there isn't a present in a past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That everything is happening at one time. It's just a matter of breaking through the bubble. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is pretty true. Because when further you go into outer space, the less time there is. Because the further you go into outer space, time slows down. But you're still at the same speed that you were on Earth. Now, usually my counterpoint to this whole theory is that why would people just come up with a simulation of a mundane existence of a regular person? But we have the Sims in Minecraft, so I guess I'm refuted already. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did put in later, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, Nick Bostrom's Trilemma. This is what he proposed in his 2003 book. His Trilemma is that despite the name... well. Despite the name, the trilemma, this doesn't actually argue we are in a simulation. And that's what the entirety of his book is. It's not saying that we are for sure. But one of these three things is almost certainly true. Ooh, just pick the, pick the right one. <laughs> sure. The fraction of human level civilizations that reach post-human stage, that is one capable of running high fidelity ancestor simulations, is very close to zero. Or... The fraction of post-human civilizations that are interested in running simulations of their evolutionary history or variations thereof is very close to zero. Or the fraction of all people with all our kind of experiences that are living in a living in a simulation is very close to one. So either there's a chance that we're not we're not gonna get there. Post-human stage isn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna get to a higher level where we're that technologically advanced or we do but somebody's got to be interested in running this simulation right or it's true and there is a simulation Hmm. so the trilemma points out that a technologically advanced post-human society would have enormous computing power and if even a tiny percentage of this group ran a simulation Simulated life, which is indistinguishable from reality to the simulated ancestor, the person living in the simulation, this would exceed the number of actual ancestors. Mm -hmm. Which means if we use anthropic reasoning, and the third proposition is true, almost all people with our experiences live in simulations, and we are almost certainly living in a simulation. (laughs) <laughs> you can keep pondering I it. I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Bostrom does state, though, that he personally sees no strong argument as to which of the trilemma is true. He says, if one is true, then we will almost certainly go extinct before re- reaching post-humanity. Yeah. 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 Well, I, oh, I don't yeah. think the... there's much longevity for the human race. No. no. We are... Extinguishing ourselves and the rest of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I think we're doomed to be planetary locusts. We're going to have... We already are. Well, exactly, but I mean, we're gonna move from planet to planet, oh, stealing their resources. I hope, and... I hope not. I I don't think we'll get that far. <clears throat> I, no, I don't think we've got that much time left. I don't think the the main part of the race does, but I think we'll have this weird little pocket of ten thousand people that'll figure something out. But can ten thousand people create? computers and you know all of a sudden you don't have all the resources of the world at your fingertips like we do right now no uh, so like i i agree with you in that i don't think that we're ever going to get to that technological place but i just think that the human race has a little more longevity oh that some might survive yes i i think we'll be very archaic peoples when we Go do Go back this. to living in caves and stuff? Yeah. If anyone survives? Yeah, but I don't I don't think we'll ever get to that technology. Okay. And, but if we do get to that technology, these small percentage of people are essentially like the flat earthers of that time period where it's like, all you need is 2,000 people going, yeah, this is the way it is. And then they make this weird simulation and this is what we are. <laughs> so that's true. super weird. Yes. Um, Bostrom also goes on to say, if two is true, which is, like, nobody wants to run the simulation, Mm -hmm. there must be a strong convergence among the courses of advanced civilizations so that virtually none contains any individuals who desire to run ancestor simulations, even though they're free to do so. Right. I mean, there are arguments that it's not even humans, like, that are running these simulations. Of course. It's... And if three is true, then we almost certainly live in a simulation. In the dark forest of our current ignorance, it seems sensible to apportion one's credence roughly even between one, two, and three. I note that people who hear about the simulation argument often react by saying, yes, I accept the argument, and it is obvious that it is possibility number whichever that obtains, but different people pick a different number. Some think it's obvious that one is true, others that two is true, and yet others that three is true. Mm -hmm. So, that's why there is criticisms of Bostrom, which I have listed. of course. (laughs) Barry to do much on this planet without getting criticized. It's true. It's (laughs) true. Uh, Barry Dainton, who is a philosopher, modified the trilemma by substituting neutral ancestor simulations, which is a range from literally having people's brains in vats... To far future humans with induced high fidelity hallucinations that are their own distant ancestors. So what they're saying, what he's saying is, okay, mm. it doesn't actually have to be a computer simulation. Right. He's saying the trilemma could include any sort of like, we die. Someone takes our brain and they put it into a vat yeah. and they start running basically a hallucination. So we could just be a hallucinate nation of our own minds that have died right. and we're going back and re- like living through earth being shown this stuff in our brains right. or our distant descendants are having like an assassin's creed thing where they're like 
imagining back in time and we exist in that. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone's just taking a lot of drugs and they're like hallucinating. They're like, wow, this world. And they just hallucinate us. <laughs> wow. Our whole existence is the blink of an eye of a drug-addled descendant. <laughs> I knew it. Um, this is based on the grounds that every philosophical school of thought agrees that super high-tech neural ancestor simulation experiences would be indistinguishable from non-simulated experiences. Sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which means, even if high-fidelity computer simulations are never conscious... Barry Dainton leads to this conclusion. Either the fractions of human level civilizations that reach the post-human stage are able and willing to run large numbers of neural ancestor simulations and and it's close to zero, or we are in some kind of possibly neural ancestor simulation. Of course, some other critics say that the theory is disregarded because it's merely philosophical, unfalsifiable, or inherently unscientific. I don't know about that. It's not. It's not unscientific. It's unscientifically proven. That's true. You know, but it's not. It's not without its merits in science. I mean, like having having that. a theory that is that planned out is inherently scientific. Yeah, because it is a hypothesis. It is. You just yeah. can't prove it scientifically. Yeah. Which is like most beliefs. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Some critics say that we are in the first generation generation, and the simulated people that will one day be created do not exist yet. Oh. So we have, we're the people who are going to create the simulation or our ancestors and we haven't actually gotten to that point yet. So we're the original biological the future group. Ancestors? Our future? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're not technically a simulation, but we will create one? Eventually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're, like, basically the first biological group. Yeah. Some point out there is currently no proof of technology that could facilitate the existence of sufficiently high-fidelity ancestor simulation. We do not have that technology now. No, but we have just had this summer a vast, vast uh, moving forward in quantum computing. So, And we don't even know the capacity of that yet. So. Ooh. Yeah, we will get there. Okay. Alas, no proof that it is physically or feasibly possible for a post-human civilization to create such a simulation. Therefore, only the first of the trilemma is true. However, there are some consequences to believing that we are living in a simulation. Economist Robin Hansen speculates that if you are someone that is aware you're living in a simulation or you believe you're living in a simulation... Your, quote, your motivation to save for retirement or to help the poor in Ethiopia might be muted by realizing that you're in a simulation. You'll never retire and there is no real Ethiopia, unquote. Which, so essentially they're saying, like, this is a problem because the consequences are you stop caring about living because you're not really living or you don't think you're really alive anyway. Yeah, look at, look at anyone playing a Grand Theft Auto game. You know, you could you could play that game as if you're just... I'm going to take my car to work and I'm going to drive and do this morally, or morally good existence. Mm-hmm. But, oh uh, no, you know. <laughs> you... That is not what the vast, vast majority of people playing Grand Theft no, Auto do. You steal cars and you blow stuff up. That's just... Yep. <laughs> Hansen also argues that a self-interested and high-fidelity sim 
which is a simulated human or someone living in the simulation, should strive to be entertaining and praiseworthy in order to avoid being turned off or being shunted into a non-conscious <laughs> low fidelity part of the simulation. So we're constantly being evaluated. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh man. This is like the the social system in China. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I want to get that political in the podcast, okay, but it's may- true. Maybe not. <laughs> huh. So here are some arguments why we are living in a simulation. And um, we're going to get into some math soon, which is going to be fun. Great. <laughs> I'm not sure I will understand that form of math. Oh, I, I, I can understand it. Oh. I think that I'll be able to get you guys to understand it. Because if I can understand it, like anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first argument is it's easier to prove that we're in a simulation than we're not. Oh. The fact mm-hmm. that we can think of creating a simulation in a computer so powerful it mimics real life is proof that someday we might actually be able to create the technology. Um, that's powerful enough. Accounting for all the processes of life forms that would be needed to create this sort of technology. The theory is also compatible with all of our perceptual experiences. Anything happens and you can say that it was part of the simulation or it was planned. That's really hard to dispute. Yeah, I think I already have a problem with these people who are planning the simulations. Like, why are they wiping out all these species? And why don't they make us more environmentally friendly? And they're more... not very nice. They're not very nice. Mm-hmm. No. Like, why don't we be nicer to each other? Yeah. Why don't we, why do we got so much hate? some sort of a nice world? And that is... A caring world and... That's actually one of the things... The world. That was argued why we're in a simulation. I didn't write this one down because there was like a lot of, a lot of arguments. <laughs> but um, one of the things that somebody was saying was the proof that we are in a simulation is the weird stuff that's happening. Like they're like a functioning society cannot have the kind of terrible things that we have going on all the time. It just can't function that way. Well, it's just going to end. So they're saying that this is a simulation to see the different outcomes of how stuff would have happened if they just throw in Donald Trump as a president. Or if they just, yeah, you know. They just click all the boxes at once and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're playing Sims and you're like, yes, turn on natural disasters. Yes, yeah. turn on alien invasions. Yes. But it's taken us a long time to get here. Maybe. Time is a construct. Okay. Possibly, but mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe, I don't know if you read anything about this, but I would think if we got to that level of technology, we could create a simulation. I, I would think that people would have come up with actual time travel before that and just gone back and seen what their ancestors were like and rather than create a simulation of it. Well, that's true, and maybe they did, and maybe that is a thing, but maybe... If we are in a simulation, I mean, not saying that I believe it, but if we are, maybe we're just some fourth grade kids computer program science ex- fair <laughs> experiment. I don't know. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, look, I like made this crazy world. Well, they all think they're alive. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. No. Nuclear physicist Zuri Davoudi believes that cosmic rays, the most energetic particles known to man, would appear as pixel-like chunks if you're within a simulation, and unending beams if we're in base reality. But meanwhile, NYU philosopher David Chalmers doubts it's possible to prove that we don't live in the Matrix. 
you're not going to get proof. Well, this is a quote. You're not going to get proof that we're not in a simulation because any evidence that we could get could be simulated. Yeah. And proving a negative is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. In 2014, the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics connected 8,000 computers together to create a 350 million light-year simulation of our universe and did digitally aged it over 13 billion years. This program doesn't account for billions of people, but still gives us the probability of living in a simulation as about 50-50. Simulations have multiple layers. And through this, they started to think of, we're creating this way to have seen how the, like, how the universe basically evolved over 13 billion years. Over 350 million light years. If we are already a simulated video game, maybe we're creating the simulated video game, and maybe we're a simulation simulation that is creating simulations. Yeah. And so, to kind of like make that a little more understandable, The Sims 4 is a video game where you play as a character in a world, you pick what they look like, you pick what they do, you pick their careers, you make their houses, they're a simulation. In the game, you can make them play The Sims, a simulated video game. Mm-hmm. So that already is multi-layered. <laughs> yep. Well, this is the diorama and the diorama and the diorama. Yeah. You're talking about. <laughs> but had we not created computers, we never would be having this conversation. Exactly. And computers haven't been around that long. It's true. It's true. So maybe someone just threw in computers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do I sound convinced? <laughs> I, I think so. I don't know. And on the argument of like, is anyone actually interested in playing simulations? Mm-hmm. The Sims video game franchise has sold over 125 million copies in the first decade, which shows that we are interested in playing simulations. I like playing this. I was playing The Sims the other day. Mm. Like two days ago. But why would you, in your in the Sims game, do you create people with conscious thought that can actually think and feel and hurt and be happy? Uh, no. I mean, you can give them, there is this option to give them free will. And then they just go and do whatever, if you're not whatever actually. Whatever the computer tells them to do. Actually, yeah. So... They have to be programmed that way. Yes. But we're already at that technological area where they can do that. See, I think my issue with with the the simulation theory as it's been explained today is he's simulating your ancestors. Like, I, we can simulate the Sims because they're not related to us or whatever. But if you wanted to go in... And think of like, oh, I'm going to simulate my great, 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 however many times, grandfather, grandmother. Are you going to, are you going to put that much effort into the simulation? Are you going to put more effort or less effort? And what, are you really going to take the time to build all of the world around it? Probably not. You probably just care what your grandparents were doing. You don't really care about all of 2020, what's going on. And it wouldn't actually, even if you did all that simulation, it wouldn't be your grandparent that's there because your grandparent's buried in the ground somewhere. Yeah. That's why That's why one of the theories is that we create, the. there's a bunch of simulations and they're all for, you know, the purpose of finding out how the, if one group does find a way to solve greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. 
other sort of issues that are going on in the world. You seem to have a lot of extra folk who don't actually <laughs> contribute to much. Yeah, yeah. For, like, why would you add in? To create the greenhouse gases, I guess. I don't really know. Hmm. To be the people who are the problem so that there's other people that are the solution, maybe? I don't know. Well, then they should probably add some more solutions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick! Yeah! Yes. Come on, we need to get some of those people born. <laughs> okay, here's for some compelling stuff. This is this is about computing power. So this is where it gets mathy. Mm-hmm. Mathy. Mathy. Okay. So silicone processors in a computer can potentially be made to mimic a carbon-based biological neural network, based meaning a brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could basically create computer brains. Yep. The range of operation we would need to emulate a human brain functionality with the firing of the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Um, was examined by Nick Bostrom, who we mentioned earlier, and found to be from 10 to the power of 14 to 10 to the power of 17 operations per second. Okay. What would a human be? That's what a human brain is. Oh, that's a human brain. That's a human okay. brain operating. I think a human brain operates around 10 to the power of 17 usually, so 10 to the power of 14 would be a lesser operating brain, but still a functioning brain. Mm-hmm. If you had a computer operating system at that speed, you could reasonably run one human mind. The computing power could be lessened, though, so that the simulated mind does not pick up on irregularities. You wouldn't have to, so you wouldn't have to operate things at a microscopic level. So that means that the computing power could be less if you don't have to make each individual individual atom. Meaning, if you were to cut open this table, it's actually hollow on the inside until it's cut open and then the computer makes the simulation that it's full. Mm. Or would that account for all of those extra people we were talking about that don't seem to really do much? Just sort of... Some people do... Be here and not produce, not just sort of, you know... Some people have theorized that some people are NPCs, which are non-playable characters, which would be the lesser operating power minds, so that there doesn't have to be as much computer simulation. And those are people who you see every single day, they walk their dog, you wave, you say hi, then they go away into their house, and that's all you see. And they don't actually exist. And they don't actually exist. Uh Yeah. (sighs) They have a hollow table of existence. A hollow (laughs) table of existence. More and more in society, at least in our society... There are people who need help constantly. They're not just going away and not existing. You know, there's the fentanyl overdoses and there's the, all the issues, mental health issues, the physical issues, the Mm -hmm. social issues. Maybe the simulation is just getting overrun. Maybe somebody just turned us on one day, was super excited in the beginning. They're like, wow, caveman. And then they're like, wow, Victorian ages. And then now they're just kind of like bored and they're like, yeah, we'll just let the computer run its thing, do whatever. And it's just kind of running out of control. And now there's too many people and it can't quite keep up with the simulation. And that's why people are not Mm. functioning at full capacity. Just, just to be clear with that though, like between caveman and Victorian age, nothing, nothing happened. on the simulation you're in. kind of my expertise, so maybe I should really have not done that. (laughs) Yes, Matt, nothing.
nothing happened. People were just caveman, and then one day they just put on a suit, and yeah. that was it. The Victorian Age just started. Showing everything to show an ankle. That's... <laughs> I'm sure that happened. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's right, isn't it, Matt? Yep. And dinosaurs? How are we accounting for dinosaurs? I mean, that would be a badass beginning to the simulation. The I think age? Matt and I, you talked, we talked about this on the podcast last time you were on it, where we were like, what if the world is just a TV show for yeah. aliens? And yeah. there's like people who are all excited about the dinosaurs in season one, but now there's no dinosaurs <laughs> left anymore because we're like season yeah. 26 or something, yeah. 2000 million. Yeah. So, um, so there's people just going like, oh, come on, bring back the dinosaurs when it was good. Yeah, that was when, that was when Earth the TV show was good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, um, so we also wouldn't have to then make distant planets. We could just be looking up at the sky. It's a sheet, but the people who are actually looking, like, you know, astronomers and stuff... The, they're making the world for that. And that also, well, I'll get into it later. Never mind. Um, <laughs> with the current understanding of physics, it is impossible to simulate the entire universe as we know it. But like I said, we wouldn't have to. It's just what we see is what we get. We wouldn't need the billions of galaxies. Just enough to explore. Beyond what we see could just be a flat projection. and So we got a big old JPEG up there? Like a skybox? <laughs> Yeah, it's just a giant picture. Right. <laughs> Somebody ripped off, like, a computer somewhere. <laughs> okay, what about cells and bacteria? I figured that you would ask that by now, but you haven't. <laughs> Why would I ask that by now? I don't know, because that's something that you're interested in, is cells and, like, oh. bacteria and viruses. Well, they are our biggest predator. Yeah. Okay, so what about them? Don't what need them. About them? <laughs> What you see with a microscope could be instantly created. Well, and actually, for things like viruses, they're so small you can only see them with a special mm-hmm. microscope. So maybe they don't exist until you get out the electron microscope. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like I was saying about the table, our body may feel like it's full, but it's really empty and just coating until you open it. And that's when... But then, so, like, when it's closed again, so we've cut this table in half, we can see that it's wood, but then when you put the table back together, it becomes hollow again, or does it stay wood? I guess it depends on... Is it permanently rendered? Maybe it's permanently rendered, I don't know. Because, like, because what I'm I'm imagining for NPC people, let's say, right? There are these people that, you know, are hermits and they go into their house or whatever, but those people are very rare. Most of the time, you just have these mundane people, but you know them, you know. You'll go up and have a conversation with that person. That person has to be active, at least in that moment. And then do they cease to be active <laughs> after you talk to them? Yes. Oh, great. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe they did. So the neighbor yeah. goes into their house, and that's the last I see. Oh, except they turn their light on. Oh, yeah. Oh, their cat's in the window. Oh, yeah, their cat might be more active than they oh. are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> huh. <laughs> okay. So, based on the original argument by Nick Bostrom, we have five assumptions that have to be met uh, to be sure that we do live in a simulation. Okay. Okay. Perfect. One, 
it is possible to simulate consciousness. And nobody knows what consciousness is right now. Right. So if every synapsis of the brain is an operation, like I said, your brain runs 10 to the power of 17, which is also 100 million billion operations per second. The average computer can do 2 billion operations per second. Generously, you would need 10 to the power of 20 operations per second to simulate human consciousness. But not that that's one human. Yeah, and that's also not the capacity for emotion or... No, that is, that's everything firing in your brain. Yeah, it's all firing, but that doesn't mean that it's, like, interpreting it in the same way. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but if we're talking about just how many operations happen in your brain... Okay. But does emotion happen in your brain? This is also true. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, because who knows? And different people believe different things and have at different times. Well, I mean, there's that one thing where if you, like, have an organ transplanted, you get some of their personality. (sighs) Yeah. Or, like, their cravings. Or, like, Mm -hmm. I remember reading about one person who had a heart transplant, I think, or something like that. And she was vegan before. And then after, she, like, could not stop these cravings for chicken wings and beer. Mm -hmm. And that's what the person before her loved. Yeah, that's what happened to me, too. Yeah, that's why you like beer. <laughs> so I love beer and chicken wings. Hated beer beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember when that was. It must have been very young. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so to simulate all of human history at once, say about 200 billion humans with an average lifespan of 50 years and one year having 30 million seconds of time, 50 years times 200 billion humans times... 10 to the power of 20 operations, how many operations it takes in the brain per second, Mm -hmm. we would need a computer able to handle 1 million trillion 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 operations per second. More operations than there are stars in the observable universe. I don't think the human race is going to get there. (laughs) I I don't think we're going to get there, guys. I don't either because we're so divided. It's almost like... We have people who are really brilliant, and then you, it's like we're dividing genetically. You have those that are really brilliant and keep getting smarter and smarter. But there's a whole other side that seems to be not getting smarter and getting more dependent and getting less functional Yep, all Mm -hmm. the time. So it's like the human race is kind of dividing. It's true. Genetically. So I don't think we're going to get there. Okay. Well, although I suppose the brilliant ones might. Brilliant, what? brilliant ones might, like Matt said. See, I also think, though, that um, to get to this point, we've accelerated and accelerated and accelerated at such a high rate of technology, right? But I, at this point, we have several of our needs met, our survivability met. And that's really the motivation for the human race. Yeah, so it's I don't know if any anything alive. Yeah, it's and survival. So, but I don't think we're so if we have these needs met right now. I, I mean, there's a few things, obviously, disease and um, other things we're still working on. But just the fact that we have food on our tables and a bed to sleep in, the motivation is gone. So I. I don't think we're going to continue at the same exponential rate of technology that we have been. We're going to get complacent? I think so. Okay. And that is one of the uh, five assumptions that has to 
Okay. Uh, has to be in place in order for us to be a simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one. Sorry. So we, we got past. It's okay. We got past the math. That was the math part. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Technological progress will not stop anytime soon. Mm-hmm. If we assume that technology continues at the rate that we are going, then it is theoretical that we can create a computer like this. Oh. Right. A computer of this scale has has been conceptualized. Even that a computer would actually have the computing power to run not just one, but multiple civil, si- like simulations. It's a concept, but mm-hmm. we don't have that strength yet in technology. Three, advanced civilizations don't destroy themselves. Oh. And... Um, Who says that? What context is that? Uh, five thing, five, there has to be five assumptions to believe that we Oh, to can believe live. that an advanced civilization would not destroy itself. Yeah. yeah. But that's the problem when you don't have everybody on board. Yeah. When you have yeah. a division in. Yeah. Because the then humans. there is the possibility that we just destroy ourselves and then no, we're not living in a simulation. Or we could not create that simulation. Four, super advanced civilizations want to run the simulation. With post-human civilizations, we have no idea what we're dealing with. And to think that we know what beings that have that amount of power want to create these things and want to create us is pretty arrogant. Yeah. Well, it's actually very concerning, too, because most people don't play a video game that's all lovey-dovey, friendly, happy, yeah. ever after. They want to play shooting and... I do. Killing and blowing things up. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I well, like video games with blowing right? stuff up. In this yeah. idea? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good with that. No. Compared to uh, what we would assume is probably a post-human entity that could create this court sort of stuff, we're basically ants. Why would this being have any interest in what we're doing? Yeah. This, like this you're is saying, how I Matt. Think, yeah. yeah. And number five, if there are a lot of simulations, we are probably inside of one. Basing off of assumptions that one to four are real that they want to create it, that they have the technology, they have not been destroyed. The beings running the simulations likely have unlimited computing power. So there is no reason why they would just create our one simulation. Going off of the result of that is that the vast majority of conscious beings would actually be simulated. With this assumption, it would mean that probably about one in one billion conscious beings is actually flesh and blood. The rest are simulated. So, but that one flesh and blood being would be in a simulation and treat themselves better than any other person. Yeah. So, like, essentially, but would they know that everybody else is a simulation? They would. I I would think you would if you were flesh and blood in a simulation, you would know. And maybe that's why there is people who have billions of dollars. It, so Jeff Bezos. Is flesh and blood, and all of us are just his simulation. Well, you know, yeah, there also has to, yeah, it's the motivation part. If there's any motivation in the world and it comes from powerful countries, it's the motivation to make us consume. We are really just ants, little ants running around, and our job by those very, very wealthy people or very wealthy countries or countries who want to become very, very wealthy, mm-hmm. is simply to make us consume their goods so that they can keep getting wealthier. Yep. Yep. That's really our job. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's true. If 
and this is just basically like wrapping it up, Rostrum also believed that a highly advanced civilization could build countless numbers of computers that could run simulations. So there would be... Well, I mean, as far as that goes, like it doesn't matter whether you have unlimited computing power at that point. Once you've created one simulation, the simulation in that could create an infinite number of simulations. Yeah, like the layering, like we were saying, yeah. Yeah, so you really only have to do it once. You don't have to have this real biological society with infinite power. It has to be one one with enough power to do one, and then that will do another one. Exactly. Yeah. So now we're getting on to aliens. My favorite topic. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Tess, tell me, do you believe in aliens? (laughs) Um, I want to, but like... You want to? Okay. I really want to. I mean, I think aliens would be so cool, and maybe there'd be stuff that they could teach us, but I've never met an alien, so... I mean, I've met a lot of people who I thought might be aliens, but I've never met an alien. Um, so why haven't we found aliens? We assume that there are beings more technologically advanced than we are out there. Like, that's when people think of aliens, they think of higher technologically advanced beings. Mm -hmm. Uh One theory says that maybe that's because they found a way to escape the simulation. And my own thought, which I wrote down in here, maybe they're just thrown in for interest. Like, uh, we're on a TV show and the aliens just kind of come in and, you know, add a little bit of interest they just have a walk-on part? Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> it's like a TV show. They just got a walk-on part. Every so yeah. often they abduct a few people for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. And whoever's watching the simulation is like, ah, there's the alien again. Yeah. And then they just fly out of the simulation and aren't there anymore. One person has said that paranormal, well, more than one person, but one, one theory has said that paranormal events are, are not hauntings or alien encounters, but glitches in the simulation. All of a sudden, someone glitched in. So the dude dude ghost that I saw was just like a glitch. <laughs> well, that's far less cool. I know, right? <laughs> Fermo's Paradox. Have either of you heard of Fermo's Paradox? No. No. Fermo's Paradox is why haven't we found sentient life elsewhere? Uh, yeah. NASA... We haven't has... been that far. We have looked at a lot of stuff, though. NASA estimates there has to be at least 500 billion billion stars like ours. And orbiting them are at least 100 billion billion habitable planets. There are 100 potential civilizations for each grain of sand on Earth. And the fact that there is no other life that's been discovered yet is the paradox named after the guy who started thinking about this fermal. As societies become more advanced... They stay home because that's all that they need. And this is what you were saying. Um, Why would we have to put, you know, why would we have to run a simulation? These beings that are so advanced and the ones that maybe are out out there are just happy being at home. Mm -hmm. There's an incredible level of ethnocentricity in that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why do we think we're so important? Why do we think we're the top of everything? Why do we think we're the best that can mm-hmm. be? Yeah. Or the form that can be? What the heck's wrong with the ants? Oh, see, that's They're the, amazing. That's what he's saying. The more advanced that you get, 
the more you are content with staying home and not exploring other places. Oh, so perhaps other places so other are places staying are staying yeah. home. They're they've got what they need. Yeah. They've realized that all they need is their they've got their food, they've got their home, whatever they've got their they've got their alien bits, and they're happy just being there. Yeah, we are not as advanced. And now we're reaching out and trying to find other things to make us happy and content. Or it could be like the the great filter thing. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of that. I I don't quote me because I haven't looked at this in a long time. But it's that these advanced races have already lived and already died out and killed themselves off at this point. Um, Gee, we are alike then. Yeah, and and so that's why we're not encountering anything is because it's already had its existence and it's gone which is also possible and i because you know you're right i refuse to believe in the arrogance of the human race oh (laughs) but just so incredibly arrogant Mm -hmm. yeah speaking of powerful people elon musk (laughs) i had to mention him (laughs) of course you did elon musk is the owner of tesla okay um in 2016 elon musk said quote 40 years ago we had pong two rectangles and a dot now, 40 years later, we have photorealistic 3D with millions playing simultaneously. If you assume any rate of improvement at all, then the games will become indistinguishable from reality, even if that rate of advancement drops by 1,000 from what it is now. It's a given that we're clearly on a trajectory to where we're going to have games that are indistinguishable from reality. It would seem to follow that the odds that we're in the base reality is one in billions. So working off of that, if humanity develops enough to run a realistic simulation, it will run multiple simulated realities, and then it will be more probable that we are living in a simulation than the base reality that created it. Right. And we're going to have a lot of messed up people. Yeah. I think one of our biggest problems is that we don't really know. We don't know why we're here, and we have to individually decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't have a culture or a society now that tells us. We're yeah. not raised into... This is why you're alive to be a good person and do good things and then die and go to heaven. Just yeah. is kind yeah. of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking for a reason why we exist. Mm-hmm. And we're not finding one yet. I don't think that... It, well, individually. Everyone's reality on that's different. Oh, yes. Yeah, I meant like individually as a whole mm-hmm. a lot of the people whole, the whole culture the whole world yeah yeah doesn't have a reason for their existence yeah mm-hmm. exactly so let's talk to consume let's talk theoretical physics oh i like theoretical physics <laughs> quantum mechanics that's where that's where i sit but um theoretical physicist james gates claims to have identified what appears to be actual computer code embedded in the equations of string theory that describe the fundamental particles of our universe. I did hear about that, yeah. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So he says there are error-correcting codes that make that's what makes web browsers work. He has found that in the equation he was studying about quarks and electrons and supersymmetry, super which is and no one can explain why. It's a matter of which came first though, isn't it? The chicken or the egg? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but uh, string theory has come before the computer code that makes web browsers. That was, I'm sorry, Mom, that was the only theoretical physics. Okay, that's good. Okay. That's all right. That's all right? You were right. like, I like theoretical <laughs> physics. <laughs> okay, but we do have quantum mechanics, and that's okay. next. 
So the double slit experiment. It shows how strangely things work on a minute level. And I explained this one to you last night. Mm -hmm. So, um, if we are living in a simulation, it is not advanced enough to control all subatomic particles. In the quantum world, firing electrons, there's a wave-like interference pattern. And if you try and watch why, it acts like particles. If we're in a simulation, then the electrons don't need to act normally until we're watching so to, <laughs> to explain this, what the slit ex- double slit experiment is, is picture a wall. There's a wall, and then in front of the wall is another wall, but it has a little slit in it. Oh, yes. Say you're shooting a paintball gun at that slit. It's going to go through, and the paint's going to splat in a line on the other back wall, because it can only go through that split. That's what the electron test is doing is it's shooting electrons they go through that slit and they land on the back wall they land in a line if we're watching if we're not watching they just go wonky and go wherever the heck they want but as soon as we're watching they go in that line again so what this is saying is that the simulation is part of this because it doesn't need to be simulated when people aren't watching there's no reason for it to be or perhaps the power of our mind is so strong that we can actually make it go through that's that's what the original quantum mechanics argued, that it has something to do with the way that our mind is like. I we like to think that we have strong enough minds that we can. Do we that. think that it will go through, so that it does. So we have observed this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been done numerous times. Okay, I, I just wanted to. Make oh sure yeah, it. yeah. Okay. This is um, an experiment that has been done. Like anyone could do this experiment if okay. they have access to the uh, electron firing machine. <laughs> okay. No, I just I just wondered if it was like oh totally theoretical. You know, humans are humans are watching, but like humans are always watching. So how do we know? But I guess I guess if they aren't watching at some point, yeah. You just, okay. Yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. So then you go away, you don't watch, but you can still tell on the back wall where the electrons have gone Uh, and they're just like all over the place so this is a lot like how in a video game when you're playing a video game the world doesn't render until you're in the spot that it's in yeah doesn't need to you don't need that processing power no like a wind blows through the trees when you're looking at it it doesn't need to be rendering that when you're not looking at it yeah have you heard of the mandela effect yes not sure so the mandela effect is uh, based off of false memories that we remember something is true when it's not, but it's a group mind. A group mind thinks of something as having re- definitely taken place, mm-hmm. but it hasn't. And it's called Mandela because so many people thought Nelson Mandela died in jail when he was 80 and were shocked to find out when he actually passed away. I think it was 2013 that he passed away. But it was like a group mind thing. A lot of people thought that he had died. Mm-hmm. And since then, that's called the Mandela effect. So some people are saying that this could be a coding issue. Like, some he actually did die in the 80s. They updated the code, but not everybody got updated. So then when Nelson Mandela continued to live, some people were like, yeah, Nelson Mandela's still alive. We know that. And other people are like, man, he died in the 80s. Yeah. Because they didn't uh, get updated. The Bernstein Bears thing, too. Yeah. People remember... How do you spell Bernstein? Remember the Bernstein Bears? Yeah. I can hardly spell my last name. (laughs) (laughs) You know how dyslexic I am. I know that it's spelled differently than everyone thinks. I I remember that. Yes, so that's a Mandela effect because everyone thinks it's... Berenstein. Berenstein. Like 
Um, but then it's, it's actually it's stain. Stained. Or stain. Yeah. Um, and same with that uh, movie with Sinbad. That was the Mom won't genie. know that one. No, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know that one. I can't believe that. <laughs> I did. I remember that movie. Wait, the one that didn't exist? Yeah. You remember it? I remember the movie it didn't, it, that didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. laughs> yes, I knew that. I think I think you did tell me that. Yeah. Do you remember seeing the movie that doesn't exist? Yes. I remember being in my hometown, Little, Little Katie's Variety, and renting this movie with actor Sinbad as a genie. I do not remember what the movie was called, but everyone gets it. Like either they, like they remember it, they remember this movie where he was a genie, but then people keep saying, "Oh no, you mixed it up with that movie where Shaq was a genie." But no, that was a completely different movie. And so you remember this movie, but it doesn't exist. It doesn't. But exist. like a lot of people remember this movie. A lot of people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, Sin, and like Sinbad's like, "What are you guys talking about?" <laughs> I was never in this movie. Um, See, I think there are glitches and things in the world, but. I don't know to to have it all because of a computer. We te- we seem to be almost you know like bowing down to computers, like they're going to be the next god. Yeah, if they aren't already, if they aren't already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, speaking of like glitches, one of this kind of leads to how like your orange, um, my essential orange oil that disappeared. Yeah, two two containers of it. Yeah. Yeah. How, like, um, you know, I sometimes... I think little people took it. Well, I'm, I'm sure it was. And by little people, not... Original like, little Aboriginal people. little people. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that in case someone's listening they're and goes... They're from some other dimension. They about? show up every once in a while. Yeah, they're, they're like... Tricksters. An indigenous group of people, and they're called little people. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, um, so, when something goes missing... And then suddenly it shows up in the same place that you checked five times. That's like a glitch in the code. Mm -hmm. I mean, I prefer to think that it was the little indigenous people spirits, Mm -hmm. but maybe um, we should call them little spirits then. Little spirits, people. Yeah, let's call them little spirits. I like that better. Sure. Yeah. We'll start a movement. We'll start. I'm on board. Let's do this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and there's two more things. (laughs) So first, it's the speed of light. MIT cosmologist Max Tegmark has pointed to our universe's strict law of physics as possible evidence that we live in a video game. If we, uh, if I, oh, here's a quote. If I were a character in a computer game, I would also discover eventually that the rules seemed completely rigid and mathematical. In this theory, the speed of light, the fastest rate at which any particle can travel, represents the speed limit for transmitting information within the network of our simulation. Neil deGrasse Tyson argues in favor for the simulation theory and mentions the speed of light as a reason on a show with chuck i think it's either nice or nice i'm not sure he mentioned that the reason we cannot go faster than the speed of light is because the programmers need time to render or create our surroundings (laughs) and lastly and my favorite one code in our dna yeah so in 2017 a multiple disciplinary group of researchers from the University of Washington proved that they could embed malicious computer code into physical strands of DNA. This experiment was meant to show that computers that work in gene sequencing could be vulnerable to malicious computer code attacks, 
but they possibly may have inadvertently shown that um, what we perceive as biological physical DNA is actually computer code. So they, this is another form of what is called biohacking. And uh, it, the DNA that was rewritten could be read just like computer code in the computer. And yeah, it was done in chunks, a number of small blocks to ensure that the actual DNA remained intact. And despite the complexities, the team fully managed to do this. While it was difficult, shows that DNA sequences could be evidence of living in a simulation. But haven't we always known that everything, when it comes right down to it, is mathematical? Yes, but this is the first time that people have been able to take DNA and embed computer code into it. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that means that we can do that now. That means we can do it. We've learned that, but that doesn't... Once again, it's the chicken and the egg, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have the technology now to do that. It's always been mathematical. Yeah. DNA codes. Yeah. That hasn't changed. We just now know how to do that. Yeah, and we know... And we've created computers to do that. But beyond that, computer code is what like makes computers run. So taking a physical strand of DNA, if it was only biological, we would assume that only another biological thing could be embedded into it. However, they're taking literal code from computers and putting that into a person's DNA. Basically making a cyborg, mm. but just one strand of DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see someone with more experience with this sort of thing take that one on that one to me seems like it could be disputed simply as being a mathematical formula that exists in the world okay that's interesting Mm -hmm. okay so that is the totality of simulation theory what do you guys think i don't know it's not the worst thing uh (laughs) it's not the worst thing it's prepared to it's not the worst thing if we believe it to be true yeah. Um, like, let's say someone pulls the plug one day and our simulation is gone, right? At least that's not hell or anything like that. You just become deflated balloons. You know, right. you know what? I like that. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of it's kind of uh, freeing to just realize, okay, we're just nothing, and then there's no existence after that, and it that doesn't hurt. You know, the downside of that though is that. It totally leaves out morals and values, and sure it does. And like the guy was saying the in the beginning, each other. Yeah. Like the guy was saying in the beginning, why would you bother doing anything? It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. So then you could do everything, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas as as human beings, well, because we can think, we should be responsible. Yes. And we seem to be becoming less and less responsible. Uh, you know, that's another thing in, in itself altogether, it, uh, that if we got to this benevolence, this power to create this type of simulation, I think at that point, the human race would have advanced to an emotional level that we wouldn't do it because we wouldn't want to create a simulation of AI characters that could think about these things and it would drive them mad mm-hmm. you know okay do you know maslow's theory no it's kind of gone by the wayside i i think well maslow saw the people 
cultures as a pyramid. Mm -hmm. And as long as once one level of your needs, like your basic needs were met, then you can move up a level to mm -hmm. a higher level. Mm -hmm. And if those, if you reach that level, you can move up another level. So in the end, if all of your basic needs are met and you feel safe and secure, you can reach enlightenment mm -hmm. uh, because you have everything in place. And yet we have so much stuff mm -hmm. and we're pretty secure, but we just want more and more and more and more. We're becoming unenlightened. Yeah. So that kind of doesn't fit. So I'm not sure if if that would follow, that as we became more and more technologically advanced, that we would become more highly refined emotionally and intellectually and I think that both have to happen at the same time in order to actually reach the time like the point where we could have a simulation because as it is now like what are we using the great technology we have for like buying shirts online yeah uh playing minecraft blowing things up making us more violent yeah watching movies like we have really great technology that is being used for cancer treatment is being used for ways to advance society mm -hmm. but the vast majority of it is not yes so just entertainment just pure entertainment well so. it's also a bit of a drug because our whole culture i'm not sure if you pulled the plug if we could survive oh if we didn't have phones and technology yeah. if all of a sudden it was just pulled out from under us mm -hmm. who's going to deliver the food who's going to Whole barns now are entirely run by computers. Yeah, milking tanks and stuff. Yeah, milking yep. tanks, feeding the animals. Our, our food supply would be really in jeopardy. Yep. yep. So we're. It's almost like computers are an addiction for us, and I'm not sure we use them wisely. And we become very dependent, and they really could just disappear overnight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, for sure. Mm hmm. All right. Anything you guys want to add when it comes to simulation theory? Any thoughts? Any questions? No. I'm seeing a head shake. No. I'm seeing... Lots them all over. I'm seeing uh, the wheels turning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for listening to Simulation Theory. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Us. And if listeners want to hear more or donate or um, find our social media links... It is at www.tellignosisnt.com. You can also send your listeners stories. We like supernatural stuff. We like true crime. We like anything weird. Just send in your stories. And that is all for this week. Want to say, I'll say goodbye at the same time. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.